Hello, welcome to another edition of Matt Sport House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. A lot to talk about in sports, being that it was just NFL Week 1, aside from the fact that we always talk about college football. So we're going to jump right into it. In the college reigns, college game, there was in Austin, Texas, as Texas battled LSU. Texas was the ninth-ranked team in the country, and LSU was the sixth-ranked team in the country. And this is already like a big heavyweight game. Obviously, that's why game day was there. Because you have Texas, who's one of the heavy dogs besides Oklahoma in the Big 12 Conference. And right next door, LSU is one of the heavy dogs, powerhouse programs in the SEC West. SEC, but SEC West to be specific. And also because whenever Texas beat Georgia last season, who's also one of the heavy dogs in the SEC, they, they, their quarterback announced that we are back, being the, meaning they're back to be in the Texas program that most older people know and love. Or even back whenever Vince Young was playing, maybe like, what, I think that was 2006, when they were winning championships. Because since then, they've been on a drought. But, you know, after that game, he went ahead and announced it. And so the, all that circled any team that plays in the SEC, obviously circles that schedule. Oh, y'all not going to do this on us. But with that being said, LSU is led by a really good safety named Grant Delpit. I think he's going to be the first defensive player taken off the board in the NFL draft. Uh, yeah, he's really good. I see him as a Derwin James. Yeah, really, that's probably the closest thing I could think of. Is just he plays in the SEC, and the media loves the SEC, so that kind of hypes him up a little bit more. And they just always have a really great defense, if you know LSU football at all. The only, actually, I don't know if you know this, but the guy who, that's an ESPN commentator, always makes the comments on Antonio Brown, because he was a teammate for him with the Steelers. His name's Ryan Clark. He actually played in at LSU, so that's a little fun fact. But anyway, with that great matchup, LSU took the win 45-38, to which is a really great win on the road for that team. Their offense has a, has a chance to be really special. This is not your typical LSU offense anymore, wherever, like, they can't really throw the ball around. They just kind of have to run it all day long. Now, now they have five receiver sets. They obviously they put a 45 points on the board. They're all their receivers can really ball out. They got a quarterback, Joe Burrow. He came from Ohio State and he transferred out of there. So this this team's gonna be really good. I don't know if they could beat Alabama, but I feel like they should be able to beat every other team in the SEC besides Alabama that they play on their schedule. So worst case scenario, they lose out. Uh, this is projecting very far into the season. I think worst case scenario, they lose to Alabama because they will play them. I'm pretty sure that's, that game is in Bryant Denny Stadium, which is Alabama Stadium. But in my opinion, if they are lose that game but run through the rest of their schedule, even if they don't play in the SEC championship game, they should be able to make it to the playoff because they will have a tough schedule being that they are in the SEC West. Now for the schools that are in state, Clemson did beat Texas A&M 24-10. The A&M quarterback really couldn't get anything going. They didn't even score a touchdown to the fourth quarter. I know that's super frustrating for the coach and the, and the offense in general. It's like y'all – practice all week and then we go play in this game in which some of the Texas A&M players did guarantee a win to the fan base well they said to the media but the fan base took it personal and they come around and lose and you don't even really score like like I said you don't even score to the fourth quarter when it's like probably like Clemson's like bad comes to third string so it's got to be very frustrating and imagine like the alumni things of the people of that nature they're paying a lot of money to fly you from Texas to Clemson and the hotels and all that and I know you're making a lot of money they're making a lot of money off you so it's not like they're just doing it for the goodness of their heart but it's like gosh you don't even get a score on the board but you know that's, that is what it is Clemson wide receivers though I, I've noticed I was watching this game Trevor Lawrence, obviously good quarterback. That throw he had to the corner, I'm pretty sure to Justin Ross. It was at the front of the end zone, the front power line. He that those that wide receiver core is elite at making adjustments. 
Like, a lot of times the ball be kind of out of the way completely, and, but they make Trevor Lawrence look really good, so I'm sure he takes them out to steak dinners or whatever the case they do, whatever they do up there in Clemson. But anyway, Clemson will then play next uh, next week uh, against Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. That is in New York. The, how could I say? Syracuse is like Clemson's thorn in the side, if you will. So every single year they're always about to beat Clemson, or I think two years ago they actually did. So that game is going to be a primetime 7.30 game on ABC. I'm pretty sure Kirk Herb Street will be calling so that does give you something to look forward to but yeah they always give Clemson problems so if you don't have any other games to watch I would definitely tell you to tune into that one South Carolina the University of South Carolina other hands took on Charleston Southern 172 to 10 and Ryan Haliski's this was his debut he went 24 for 30 for 282 yards and two passing touchdowns Haliski should be very good I've seen him like firsthand at like a quarterback workout thing, and he's really good at what he does. Obviously, he comes into SEC program and does that, and it seems like. And then see, but one thing people have to remember is that it was just Charleston Southern. No offense to Charleston Southern, but it's like those guys, the guys at USC weren't even the guy. Okay, let's put it like this: the people that recruited Charleston Southern saw the USC guys that in the recruiting stages. It was like we we can't even get those guys because they're going to the big schools. So that is something to take from that, but it was a great showing. He actually started the game going 12 for 12 until the tight end caught the ball and had the fumble. But yeah, Helensky balled out. It was going to be really interesting to see what they do next week. Uh, well, actually, this coming Saturday against oh, USC does this coming Saturday against Alabama. Then we'll kind of, I say, people always say, we'll know where we stand. No, you won't. Because when you play Alabama, that's not going to show you where you stand. Maybe when you play like Missouri, a team that's more so recruits like on your level. But we'll see what happens this weekend in williams Bryce. I think that game will be at 3.30 on CBS, so make sure to tune into that. Now for the NFL, the Cowboys played the Giants and won 35-17s. Both teams were really throwing the, the old expression, throwing the, brown, throwing the ball around the yard. Uh, Dak finished with 405 yards of uh, offense, well, passing, I guess, for four touchdowns, going 25 for 32. Eli didn't look as bad as I think people were expecting. He completed almost two-thirds of his passes. I did the math. And for 306 yards, the Giants did not look as bad as people thought they would with no Odell Beckham. Like, I was like, okay, like, this is like a team. Like, they got some problems, but this is like a decent team. Like, not nearly a – I don't think they only win two games that some people are thinking were like, I don't think that would be the case. Also, Saquon Barkley rushed for – had 11 carries for 120 yards. That is almost – that is 10 yards. It's almost like 11 yards a carry, which is really good because the average uses like four to six yards per carry. The dude is a monster. If I was him, I would do exactly what Zeke does, did. Two years out of your contract, you ask for a new contract, and you say, I won't play under the old one because as him – like I said last week, him being a running back – he doesn't have the shelf life of all the other positions. So it's like, go ahead and get see if you can get two or three of those mega contracts in while playing running back, do that. Because also, one thing I thought about too, when that dude gets old, he's going to be hurting. So it's like, at least I got, I'm sitting on 60-something million. Because he's going to be hurting. You playing running back in the NFL. And if you, I was watching some of those hits yesterday. And for sure, I see why some people don't like football. But those are those people. Moving right along, the much high, the much hyped Cleveland Browns took a massive loss losing. 43 to 13. Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions. I'm pretty sure they were all in the same quarter. If I'm not mistaken, because it was a really close game until you start throwing interceptions. Odell Beckham had seven catches for 71 yards. It's 10 yards a catch. Not and I watched like his highlights. I didn't watch the game because I watched another one. But I watched the Odell. Odell actually looked like he came to play. Like a lot of announcers were like the team didn't come to play. Odell came to play. Not to mention he was sporting a some is estimated between a 250000 dollars watch during the game. 
Most people don't even know what that watch is called. This man is wearing it in a football game. Now, I understand some commentators are like, like Shannon, those guys, they're like, dude, what are you, why are you wearing that during the game? Like, do you need to know the time? Like, it makes no sense. But Shannon actually, it was actually hilarious. Shannon was like, he was going, he was playing to score a touchdown and be able to look up because they were playing at home, be able to look up into the stands and be like, y'all know what time it is, which was actually super cool. But unfortunately, he didn't catch a touchdown. Yeah, and the NFL's gonna find him for that. But that watch was that was insane. Odell's operating a whole different level of swag. I we, we can't we're just not on that same level right now. The but the big problem with the Browns was their offensive line did not play well at all. Uh let Baker Mayfield get Baker Mayfield get sacked a couple times. And that has to improve, especially obviously with you're playing against elite pass rushers. If your offensive line cannot block, it's gonna be a long day. Also, they had 18 penalties for 100. I mean, uh, yeah, 18 penalties for 182 yards, and that killed them. You can't win games like that. That's like 18 penalties. That's the equivalent of having like three turnovers itself. And so the fact that you had three interceptions and then the 18 turn for 182 yards, no, you're, you're not going to win too many games like that. But for a couple surprises around the NFL, Sammy Watkins is back to playing like he did as a freshman at Clemson. He had nine catches for 198 yards and three touchdowns. So he, I'm pretty sure his contract is for three years, $48 million. So if you do the math, it's $16 million a year. So he, Sammy said he's going to earn his keep. Like, that was, like, the best I've seen of Sammy Watkins since he left Clemson. And I don't know if you all remember, that was that 2011 season of him at Clemson. He was a dynamic freshman phenom. I think Dabble says there's been, like, two players to come to campus as ready as Sammy Watkins was whenever he arrived at Clemson. But back to the NFL, the, another surprise is the Packers have a defense this year. And this is going to help Aaron Rodgers tremendously because now he doesn't have to do it all by himself. Because it used to be, okay, we're down by 21 points because our defense has not done anything. So now I got to put it all on my shoulders and get the ball with Devontae Adams in them. But now, after watching them on Thursday night, it looks like they have a defense, so they might be all right. But with that being said, it might just be because the Bears' offense didn't perform very well. And so maybe it was just a bad offensive team. So we're going to have to stay tuned on that one. Now to the New England Patriots, they beat the devil out of the Steelers 33-3 in the opener. They don't even have – and the crazy thing about that is the Patriots don't even have Antonio Brown yet. It was one of the more complete showings I've seen this far from the Patriots team. One thing to think about if you're a Steelers fan, though. See, Juju – obviously, I like Juju Smith-Schuessler. I think he's going to be a, a beast. But I think it would have been great for him to have a another dominant receiver, number one, to like have the attention to continue to build his confidence. But since Antonio Brown is gone now – he is the number one guy. So he gets, for example, in this game, Stephon Gilmore was guarding him the whole entire game. And it's like, so now you're getting the number one, <clears throat> you're getting the number one DB coverage. And that makes his job a lot harder. But that's part of playing the NFL. Something else to think about with that New England Patriots offense is they have Antonio Brown, obviously, coming next week. You have Josh Gordon, who at one point was being compared to Julio Jones, as long as he has some substance abuse issues that he's trying to work on. So if he can get those under control kind of ish, I don't want to be offensive here. If he can get that situation squared out, they'll have him. Julian Edelman, who was a Super Bowl MVP, they spent a first-round draft pick on a guy named Mikhail Harry. He's a really big receiver out of Arizona State. And they have Tom Brady. So they're going to pretty much be able to run the scoreboard up because who's going to guard these guys? Like, those are too many weapons. All those guys are elite offensive players in the NFL. And Antonio Brown will be eligible starting this week, so the fireworks will begin. I will say the Patriots' offense is kind of complex, so it might take him a couple – it might take him a little bit of time to be able to adjust to it because it's a, it's very big on, like, timing and things of that nature, and obviously that takes – ha-ha, timing takes time. Now, for more info on our good friend Antonio Brown, our good friend Antonio Brown, because I'm sure y'all seen him all over the media, 
I think that like okay, my thesis would be I think Antonio Brown's close friends need to check on him. You know, they always say that in college, check on your friends. Yeah, they need to do that because his image has like completely changed from the guy that yes, walked on at Central Michigan. Most guys, most people don't know that. He started Central Michigan as a walk on. They didn't even give the man a scholarship. He was there for three years, had three thousand one hundred and ninety-nine yards and twenty-two touchdowns. And remember, this guy was a walk-on. and He did that in three years. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Steelers, I think partially with that, because they had they had some intel about how he was at Central Michigan, what I believe. And also, he was, he's a small guy. Uh, he was just, so, like I said, he was drafted in the sixth round by the Steelers in the 2010 NFL Draft. Most sixth-round guys don't even make the team, may make the practice squads, definitely are on the special teams, but he's been doing it. He had that first year, obviously, you have to adjust the NFL, but... Then he had a couple more years, a thousand yards, then another, and then one down year. But since then, he has he's had six years straight with a uh, hundred receptions and a thousand yards. But and then so after this production, he wanted out of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization because he wanted more guaranteed money. As a matter of fact, he said, "Only come to me if I if you if you have guaranteed money." And I guess that's understandable, being that he's a professional athlete. He's going to make most of his money at the younger part of his life. So, all right, whatever. Do what you got to do. But one thing he did that was kind of really, that a lot of people kind of looked at strange was he didn't show up to practice during a game week that could have potentially put them in the playoffs if they had won. And so it's like, yo, like, this is your job. Why did you not show up? Like, I get you want your money and, this, and things of that nature. But it's like, also, just being a competitor, you want to make sure you win that game. But we were like, you know, that's a weird, but whatever. He was traded to the Raiders. He got the guaranteed money that he wanted. So we thought he was happy, but heading to training camp, he was in an ice chamber they used for recovery, and he burned his foot really bad, so he couldn't participate in practices. But, you know, freak accident, a little bit odd, but we'll take it. Then after then, while he was recovering for that, he didn't want to wear the, the wear the helmets the NFL was providing because he liked his old one, even though the new ones were safer. So he tried to file two grievances to the NFL, and they politely declined them. And so we were thinking, okay, he's going to play. Like That's a little bit weird, two grievances to the NFL for a helmet that they warned you you weren't going to be able to wear anymore. But okay, cool, cool, cool. And then because he because he wasn't able to practice, it was not because he wasn't able to. He didn't want to practice because of the whole helmet grievance thing. As a matter of fact, and sometimes through training camp, they just didn't know where he went. He just left. And but the, anyway, the team find him after the grievances thing. Like yeah, we're gonna go ahead and find you for that. And he didn't appreciate that, so he went up to one of the, to the general manager of the Raider, Mike Mayock. He's the guy that used to call the NFL Combine. Called him cracker and threatened to punch him in the face. Pause right there. So you're p- threatening to punch your boss in the face. Like let's put that in like normal people's term, because like general manager might be like, wait, what's that? No, no, that's like you. That's like a supervisor. You're threatening to punch your supervisor in the face. And then he came back and apologized. And I know Mike Mayock was so, Mike Mayock was so mad because it's like this dude just said that Mike Mayock probably is ready to cut him. But if the head coach is like, eh, maybe not do that. I think the head coach is like, uh, what's his name? John Gruden has a mega deal where he even has like assets into the team's money. So his word is kind of law around the around the Raiders organization. So but anyway, so Mike Mack be mad because like I wanted him gone for doing that. And it's kind of like my pride. Like I need to know that if I want somebody gone, they'll be gone. And John Gruden was like, he's gonna stay on this team. So that's pretty much what happened. But then they had to find him again because was, he did something. Antonio Brown did something that was very strange. After he cussed the guy out, he took a football and he kicked it. And he was like, find me for that, too. And so, naturally, after the whole Mayock situation got worked out, they fined him for that. And they took away his guaranteed money. And and so, pretty much, the contract went. So, now they were going to allow him to play without suspending him. But he was going to be on a week-to-week 
contract basis things like instead of it all being guaranteed every after you play here's your check they're gonna do that and i can't blame them because this dude's like freaking out out of nowhere and the thing about the raiders where they were being extra nice with him trying to make sure like whenever he was going at it with the nfl they were backing him up and things it's like this is kind of how they traded him so they're like now nah, we're gonna do this contract week by week he didn't appreciate that and so on saturday morning he asked to be released on instagram it's crazy like it's like we don't even send letters to the team anymore we don't let our agent call the team we just put it out on instagram and by by that time the raiders organization was done with him but the patriots picked him up signed him to a 15 million dollar deal with nine million guaranteed and the rest comes in incentives and for so as long as he does this then he gets that and as long as he does this to that for the rest of the uh, season it's just a one-year contract and so now he's officially a patriot now Looking at that roster, if you could just listen to that offense, they're probably going to win a Super Bowl. As long as he stays non-Divis, she'll get in. We, okay, in case you don't follow football too much. We call NFL, most NFL wide receivers Divas because they just do Diva-ish type stuff. Not to be a sexist either, so don't get me for that. But the, as long the Patriots is a very non nonsense type of organization. So if any, with the first sign of trouble, especially because of his history, they probably will cut him. And so it's going to be real interesting to see if he's able to stay on the Patriots roster. The only player I've ever seen that them like kind of tolerate like stuff from is Josh Gordon. And I think that's because of his legitimate, his legitimate substance abuse issues. If you want to know more about those, just Google it. I mean, you put him on YouTube, YouTube, his name, like Google's name, YouTube, his name. And there's a whole thing on it on uninterrupted channel uh, YouTube, obviously. But yeah, it's kind of deep rooted. And I think because Bill Belichick, I'm pretty sure the defensive coordinator for one of the greats. I cannot think of his name right now. LT, Lawrence Taylor, there you go. And he had those same issues, maybe not as deep-rooted, but he definitely has substance abuse. So I think Bill Belichick, who is a Patriots head coach, is a little bit understanding with that. So we're going to see if Antonio Brown is able to stay on the roster. But I will tell you what, Tom Brady has definitely already like put his best foot his best foot forward because Tom Brady offered him to, has offered Antonio Brown and his family to come stay with Tom in New England until they get like settled. So Tom's like, we'll take them. Like, hey, bring them in. Hey, don't even worry about your house and stuff right now. Let's just go ahead and get in this playbook so we get you right. And I don't know. I don't know. One also little interesting little dice here, dime here, would be that they interviewed the Pittsburgh head coach and asked him about so what did like what does he know about Antonio from back in the day because it's like wow this behavior is like kind of crazy like what did you know because you didn't say anything and basically the coach was like y'all have no idea what we dealt with in Pittsburgh so that really makes you wonder what was going on in Pittsburgh that like how bad was they just didn't decide to let out and I know teams obviously they can do their own research but fans are like gosh especially the Raiders fans because the Raiders fans never even got to see the production that he brings to the table they're like gosh I wish they would have told us a little bit about that but i guess that's how business goes but that's it for another edition of matt sport house thanks for listening i'll see you guys next week for any questions comments well i guess y'all hear me next week i don't see y'all but for any questions comments concern, or concerns hit me up on twitter at m-a-t-t-t-h-e-c-h-o-s-e-n the number one all right thanks for listening